Narapa University is a private liberal arts university in Boulder, Colorado. It was founded in 1974 by a Tibetan teacher and it is named for the 11th century Indian Buddhist sage named Naropa. And if you looked at Naropa University on the web, you'll notice a compelling tagline which doesn't compare to any college tagline I have ever seen. And it says, transform yourself, transform the world. And then it asks or provokes some pretty cool questions in the mind of the reader. What will you transform yourself into at Europa? And then it answers it. How about your truest self? And like any great college, it gives credence to the notion that when the student is ready, the master will appear. And through contemplative practice, you will learn to quiet your mind so you can see what makes you, you which helps us all to make better decisions. Which brings us to this evening's guest. She is a mental health therapist who came to this profession through quite a circuitous route. Her name is Barbara Lee Foley-Bott. And Barbara, welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. Thank you, Chuck. Thank it, you very much. It's great to have you here. Wonderful to be here. I stated that you are a mental health therapist, and that's what you are today, but I suspect given my introduction to Narapa University, the audience doesn't know what you did before that. Mm -hmm. Help us understand where'd you come from? What'd you do in your past? So I spent uh, the majority of my um, career as a uh, uh, working in the graphic arts uh, industry. My uh, dad was an entrepreneur and he um, started a few companies for my, my brothers. And uh, when I graduated high school, um, one of these companies that my brothers were, was running, I uh, hopped along and, and, and there, there was my career. So me and uh, my brother Joe um, spent, he's still running a successful uh, graphic arts industry and, and I kind of bailed out at 46 years old because of health reasons. Um, we're gonna get to that in just a second, but I suspect as you were working in that company through your 20s and 30s, you were married having children. Yes, because I, was. I happen to know your son is a forum for yes. all full disclosure. He's a former student of mine and my friend. Um, you were raising kids at home. I was. I was absolutely. Yep. And yet, throughout the course of that, you had mentioned that it brought you to a different place. And did you go from raising children and working in the graphic design business all of a sudden to becoming a 40-something-year-old undergraduate at Europa University? No, not at all, not at all. Uh, well, walk, so walk so much had happened. So um, when I was 46 years old, I was diagnosed with um, Lyme's disease, and I was pretty sick at the time, and uh, I could no longer work. So um, I was at home. Um, for about four years or two years and I was looking my oldest daughter was looking at colleges so when she was out looking at colleges and <clears throat> I was no longer working um, I thought it was the worst time of my life ever because I was you know uh, you know uh, the, my salary got cut and you know I, my, my brother's running this business alone and I felt really uh, really lost uh, and when I was out looking at colleges for my daughter I said why don't I just apply to a local a local community college I got I got um, something inside of me just churned uh, so that was that was where the seed was planted, and I just, for the heck of it, I applied to take a couple classes at my local community college. I didn't get into um, like math, uh, college math. I never went to college, 
Um, so I, I, I took a, a summer class. I, I got into college math, and, I, and there my journey began for college. Uh, at, at, I was 50 years old. A 50-year-old college undergraduate, yeah. walking yeah. on campus when everyone else is 18 and 19, yeah. and here you are having raised three children. But in the, in the midst of that, there was a health scare? Yes. Yeah, so talk, talk about that, and, so and, and did that relate to some of your decision-making for your future? So when I was um, 42 years old, I'll just ju jump right in. When I was 42 years old, I uh, was addicted to Vicodin. And um, I checked myself into a detox, in, uh, and um, I didn't really uh, realize that my life was going to change. And that was the pivotal moment where my life just changed. Sober for a couple years, if, you know, we can go back to recovery later, but sober for a couple years, I got sick of recovery with Lyme's disease. Um, thinking that my world was was coming to an end it, again it was just beginning so I've had many deaths and rebirths throughout my throughout my lifetime what I've come to learn when, when I was 42 when I came into recovery is that there's something greater and bigger in this universe that I had to throw out all my old beliefs my ideas and my patterns and I needed to really practice a, um, a new way of life let's just say a new frame of living and and, and that began at 42 so at 46, when I thought my world was coming to the end, all my bottoms have always brought me somewhere higher than I could have ever imagined myself. And that was just the beginning. So um, that's kind of what took me to my first college experience. And your first college experience led you to continue the college path. But Barbara, it is very few people who pick up from the East Coast, go to a college that most people have never heard of that is 2,000 miles away, Yet the extraordinary thing is, you didn't just go to Boulder, Colorado. You kept going west. Yeah. And talk about your evolution of college and what led you to the wonderful kingdom of Bhutan. So uh, I had some pretty heavy practices of uh, meditation and spiritual practices through recovery. And um, it became the basis of my life. Uh, I had got, got a hold of this, um, this, this commencement speech of this Buddhist nun called Pema Chodron fail, fail again, fail never. It's a, a Samuel Beckett quote, and she, right. and she gave a commencement speech at Naropa. At the time when I listened to this, I didn't know it was Naropa University, but she shared this with me, and it was phenomenal. Then one day I'm leaving class, and this kid came up to me, and he said to me, he said, there's a school at West that talks, does like wilderness therapy and does a lot of spiritual Buddhism. And, and it, you know, it really rang true to me. This kid I never met before a day in my life. He just came up to me, shared this with me. I turned around, he was gone. Didn't know where he was, didn't, didn't know me from Adam. A week or two later, I'm reading this book and there's somebody sitting in a college campus and it happened to be in Naropa. So I'm coming to the end of my career of, my, of getting my associate's degree. I decide to apply to Naropa just for a heck of it. I had applied to five other colleges, got in, I was ready to go somewhere else. I, I was planning to go to pastoral counseling. I had this whole, you know, thing going on and... Um, what the heck? <laughs> I applied and I got in. So um, my husband said, you should go check it out, you know. And, and anyway, I, before I went to check it out, a woman called me from the school. She was one of the psychologists, one of the teachers. And, and I shared my story with her about my practices and what I was doing and, and just, just the fact of, of my belief system uh, and she said to me without any hesitation, you need to come to this school. And that was like, it, she, and later on in hindsight, when I met with this teacher, she was one of my teachers when I was there, she said, I've never said that to anybody. So the universe continued to just drop little, you know, tapping me on the shoulder, telling me the next thing to do. I hopped, in a, uh, hopped on a plane, went out there, 
and I and I knew that was that was where I needed to be. And what was the course of study that related to what spoke to you at this point in your life? So I was pretty pretty um, again. You know, I was finding who I was as a woman. You know, I was a mother, I was a wife, I was a, you know, I, I ran a business, um, you know, I was a co-partner in a business for many years, and uh, I had all these roles, and, and yet I was uh, given an opportunity of like a clean slate to do something that it wasn't even like, a, uh, it wasn't a question or a choice, it just was the next right thing to do. But it just felt that way, or was there something written somewhere that said, hey, follow this path? No, no, there, there's, there's, so... My, it wasn't even something that I like mapped out in my mind. It was a feeling from the heart that I just knew, especially when the woman on the phone said to me, and I didn't even realize all those instances that I shared with you at the time, like like the Pema children fail again and, and, and the man coming up to me. That That's all hindsight. Like none of that was aware at the time. All I can remember is I, I'm in my car driving to Colorado, pulling out of my driveway, and this feeling came over me like, like it was just the right thing to do. Like it, it was like the universe had all aligned. I, I have never in my life felt like that. And, I, and it just, uh, it was just that simple. And, and this all happened and transpired within like two weeks. I applied to school, got, got, got accepted. It was, I, I went out and um, visited and, and on Thanksgiving and like right after Christmas I left. So maybe, maybe not two weeks, maybe more like a month, but this all happened in a very quick time. I didn't pull the key to the last moment. Wow. What did you study at Naropa? So I wanted to dual major because I'm really into mysticism and I wanted, you know, a pastoral, um, you know, yeah. if it was up to me, I would have been a Buddhist nun. Like I, I go to daily mass. I'm very into the religious aspect of the world, not religion as a, as a, as a um, more just as the basis of love, service, and wanting to help others. And that's really the basis of, of, of my life today. My life is no longer mine. You know, I, I basically, my life has now been been given to, God or, or, or the universe or whatever to be able to help others. What I, I really feel very serious that I need to work through my, who I am as a woman and then I could then offer it to others. And until I do that, and, and believe me through what I've been through, I've worked through a lot of my stuff and I continue to work through my stuff, but, but that's the basis of like, like the universe to me is similar to like a mirror. So I forget the question you just asked. You just did. The course of study must oh, have been okay. focused on your personal okay. development in the service yes. of others. That's what it sounds so, like. So, the, so I basically decided to do um, 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 transpersonal psychology, right. which basically was their, their course and study was uh, a Buddhist approach, meaning so every day when I would go to school, we would, we would start class with a bow. There's, there, there's a ritual to everything we learned about. Um, we would sit and med meditate every day. I mean, uh, hours, you know, sometimes hours, hours at a time. We would go on retreats and meditate. The basis of were the skandhas, they were the, 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 the Four Noble Truths, all the Buddhism practice of getting to learn to know who I am so that I can now share that with in, in my practice as, as a mental health counselor. You also had a certain decision to make and I will recall my own days as an undergraduate when I went abroad, I had a few choices. And as most even now, it's London, or I went to Amsterdam yeah. or Tokyo, but you didn't. You went to another place for your study abroad. You went to a country, a small kingdom yeah. nestled in the Himalayas called Bhutan. And a lot in the climbing community know Bhutan, but many people who aren't don't necessarily recognize it on a map. Tell us about what led you to that decision. So, honestly, Naropa was my 
you know, like a home and it was, I was called to go to Naropa, but before going to Naropa, like the first question I said to the woman that answered, that called me back is I want to go to Bhutan. Mm -hmm. So there was something driving me to Bhutan. I'm not really sure. Um, even today I could, I could reflect back. And when I got there, I, I feel like I've been there before. It, it was, it was just, it was just something that I knew I needed to go to. So when I talk about going to Naropa, I talk about going to Bhutan because there's no different for me. Cause, cause, cause Bhutan was on the table when I learned about Naropa. Once I learned about Naropa, I knew that was a five months thing. I just wanted to go right to Bhutan. They said I needed to come for a year first, which was wonderful. So when I got, when I decided to go to Bhutan, which was exactly a year after, and I and I and I arrived here at this place that was this just magical. I, I was looking at when I was flying into, into these hills the other day. It's a tiny little place, um, but I was seeking a teacher. So my, my 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 thought was I need to go there and find a teacher to get me closer to this path that I'm trying to find. And little did I find out that um, I found a teacher and I found what I what I was looking for, but. It wasn't anything that I thought it was going to be. It was just phenomenal. Interesting, because part of one of the precepts in Buddhism is when the student is ready, yeah. the master will appear. Yeah. You are listening to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. I'm Chuck Garcia. My guest today is Barbara Lee Foley-Bott. She is with us in the studios at Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's continue on that line, because most people um, I have not gone to Bhutan, what gave you the courage? Well, let me back up. Have you been to Asia? Had you been to Asia before? I don't travel. <laughs> okay. So other than New York and Colorado, you decided this place is calling to me. What was it like and what did you take away from it when you returned? So I spent most of my time there in two areas. So basically, Bhutan is a kingdom run by a king. And the basis of their whole kingdom is gross national happiness. <laughs> And their whole kingdom is based on, and, and I and we went to the government and we met with the, the different committees. And one thing that I really love about going a study abroad because you get to really you, you get you get really into the country. So right. I met the king, I, I I met with the government, so that was really neat. But but what was really fascinating was I spent most of my time there. At 4:30 in the morning, I would get up and 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 stay, go to a farm and milk the cows and take care of the cows, and then I would leave the farm at 4:30. Um, at five, at five, five thirty, and I would go up. I would climb a mountain every morning and spend fifty and, and spend a couple hours every morning with with fifty two nuns. And you climb the mountain for what purpose? Every day, just to spend just time because. with these nuns, because of the nuns, and to sit and to meditate. And then I would go back. I would go to my classes, and then at the end of the day, I would climb the mountain again, and I'd sit with these nuns. Every free waking moment I had was either in the farm, or with the nuns. That that was really like. And when I walked in and this woman walked into this, the one, who, the woman that was running the nunnery walked in and I looked over and, and I just started to cry. And she looked at me and she just started to cry. And I was like, there's my teacher. So I got to spend five months with this woman who ran this nunnery and just the stories that I, you know, was, and, and nuns from eight years old up into maybe, like I was the oldest one there. There was a couple older nuns, but mainly their, their children and young women who came from horrific backgrounds, and I was able to uh, learn a lot about life and humility, and, uh, and through through the, their Buddhist practice. And I I did a thesis on their on you know their practice, and, and I got really um, close with a lot of these women, and I got really close with the dogs. I, I love the animals there too. Either way, we were all each other's teachers, and when you were ready, your master appeared. Let's switch the focus. Then you return back to the United States. You must have taken with you every single day some lessons that you learned from Bhutan. 
you came back here and now you're on a program to do something else. Talk us about talk to us about this next point of your evolution and transformation. So, you know, I left three kids behind when I left. So my 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 youngest son was a senior in high school when I got in that car and drove to Bhutan and uh, or went drove to Colorado, Colorado. And, and went to Bhutan. Uh, all four kids were in college at the same time at that point. Um, but um, my kids wanted me home. I mean, it was really nice to be away to do what I had to do, and I probably would have stayed in, in uh, Colorado um, to go to, for my master's. But uh, I graduated. Um, I graduated, and when I after I graduated, everybody flew out to see me graduate, which was wonderful. I I'm old, as you know, and I'm not the traditional student, and I needed to find a program that I could get out in the world and service, start a private practice, be able to help others. So I applied to various schools on the East Coast, and I decided to pursue a career in social work so I could have the credentials I could to um, to open a practice and to... to uh, it seems a rather obvious question, but I'd love, love to hear your thoughts about this. Why social work? Okay, so I, I truly wanted to go mental health and stay out there and do that. Um, but because of the credentials for the degrees, especially in New York, a social worker a social worker degree carries so much more clout than a mental health degree. Mental health degrees are a little, um, um, they're not as, uh, you can't collect, I shouldn't say you can't. It's harder to collect insurance, you don't diagnose, it's just, it's, it's more limited. And, and, and I'm just telling you, I've done some research around it, and, 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 when I, and I really wanted to do a dual degree with divinity, as I've shared all along, my passion is to carry this, this, um, this, this, this word about this power that's just saved my life, and it's, it's so important. Um, I was um, reading the social worker guidelines, and, 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 and uh, it, it, it's, it's all about, it's almost like a mental health degree and divinity combined in one, because it's, it truly, the sense of social workers truly is to help others. I mean, that's the basis of, of what it's all about. And, and that's really the foundation of my life. Today. Right. And you go to work every day in the yeah. service of someone's health, in the service of someone's success, yeah. in the service of their own transformations. Yeah. Wow, that is fantastic. Um, when you look toward the future and you think about all of these events that have led you to this place, what do you tell people that you come in contact with in addition to this radio station if they were in a similar place that you were? What advice would you give them? Well, the most important thing that I learned was that um, the universe has your back and the universe knows what you need. You, you need nothing other than what you have. Materialism, to, um, society, uh, I, what I, everything I learned, I needed to unlearn, and I really needed to focus mainly on the inside internally, meaning meditation and, and getting to know who I am. And once I know who I am, then um, I'm able to offer something to somebody else. I can't offer anything to others unless I know who I am. But how do you know that? This, it, to, to our listeners, it, it, it may sound abstract. Help bring some clarity to how do I know who I am? So, so first of all, developing a practice, you know, so, so in order to know who you are, you have to know who you're not. So, so I needed to kind of know who I wasn't, you know, my roles, my roles of a mother, of, 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 a, of a wife, of a student, those are just roles. That's not who I am. You know, I, you know, deep down inside of me, I am somebody yearning 
to fulfill a purpose on this on this planet and I and, and life is 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 here to be lived so if I was to say you know how do I how do I how do I do that I need to to set aside um, so the work that I do is like my resentments my fears my harms I literally do work like I self-examination and I need to face those fears to see what's true and what's false most of most of what I believe and what my mind is telling me is not real and it's not true so how do I distinguish true from false it comes down to doing the work in in in, in AA I'm very active in AA um, and I and I like to say that the uh, framework of, of the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, as far as uh, a daily inventory prayer meditation for me is is skills that everybody can learn and their and their alignment with the skills that I learned in Naropa their alignment with the skills I learned in church so a lot of these things that I'm talking about are, are, are accessible to people but they're not accessible to what society teaches us in school they don't teach us to think of the other they think of they think of of you know, learning science and math. Not that all those things are important, but what's most important is to love thy neighbor as thyself. To li to literally to 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 know that you know, um, like to do something for some somebody and don't tell anybody. You know, like just small little gestures. Just show up every day and ask, how can I serve? The world is full of self-centered, and and we're just thinking of ourselves, me, me, me. We live in these live in these little boxes when really like we're all here just yearning for the same thing community unity and and love and 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 that's really um what i found along the way and when i give that to someone else i get it back a hundredfold you know um, a lot of religions talk about that as part of their doctrine but it sounds like even though you've talked about buddhism there's not a religious orientation here no what is this no it's 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 something that that every person is yearning for. We're all e even if someone doesn't know it. We're not. We're 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 human beings. We're spiritual beings in a human body seeking something so much deeper and richer than the materialism that the world is selling us. The world is selling us a bill of goods that is just, in my experience and what I felt and when, you know, I I could you know if I look at a sunset, there's a feeling I get. When I could help another alcoholic recover because I share my experience, I could see something in their eyes that's that that a light turns on. That's not like um, um, maybe driving a fancy car. That's that's not like the materialism. Don't get me wrong, materialism is great, but but there's a lot of books that I've read in reference to the Buddhism that talks about spiritual materialism. Even religious leaders like 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 being very. Um, pious if that's the word um righteous might be more of the word the it's it's in the humility of shrinking to oneself it's in shrinking to oneself where you could find oneself yeah well and that is certainly profound i I've, I've i've not been in recovery but where i take a lot of wisdom and particularly where i spend my time in the service of others Often that phrase, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can. I cannot to, change. I cannot write. Can, can you, can can you recite that? Let, let's see, yeah, so I didn't muddle it. What, what is the prayer? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Do you carry that with you all the time? All the time. All the time. Throughout my day. I get on my knees, I ask for the next right action, the next right direction, and I try to stay small, quiet, and humble. The, the, 
the more that I get involved, even if I have the right answers and I know what's best for somebody, is it my place to tell that? Or maybe they need to find that on their own. I'm not God. God dwells within me and will use me, but not from here. He'll use me in ways that I can't imagine. God puts me in certain places, puts certain movies in front of me or songs on the radio or people in front of me. Like the universe is always telling me the next right thing. I don't need to go out and seek anything. It's gonna come right to me. I'm a firm believer in alchemy. We don't, gold doesn't just turn gold. There's, it be, it's metal first. So we need to start and just show up. And then later on in hindsight is 2020. You know, you could pay, play Monday morning quarterback and, and, and see what you did, did yesterday. But you need to, you're not gonna be able to do that unless you actually trust. So, so if you were to ask me, my greatest, it's not faith, it's not a belief, it's my experience. My experience in my life shows me that if I just show up for life, and trust the next right action, whatever that is. And it's not necessarily a thought, it's a feeling. And I'm not saying a feeling of emotion, it's a deep feeling within me, so deep, that I just know this is what I need to do. Words are, words are limited. There's, it says, preach the gospel and use words only when necessary. So, so like I, I've, and I've cultivated that through prayer, meditation, self-examination, and, and, and through just everything I do on a daily basis. I can't, I can't think my way into recover. I need to act my way into, in, into living, you know. Um. In the time that we have remaining, we always ask ourselves the question is, if you've heard us before, what do we want our listeners to think? What do we want them to feel? And what do we want them to do when Barbara stops this interview? So let, let's enlighten our listeners. What do you want them to feel about their lives? That they're, that they're, uh, they're enough and that you have everything you need. There's nothing that you need that you don't already have, nothing. What do you want them to think about their lives? Don't think. Right. Thinking is overrated. <laughs> and the most important part, this is in the execution of our own transformations, of what actually has to get done in order to find ourselves. What do you want the listeners to do? Take a risk and don't, and don't, and don't sell yourself short. St just stay, stay and, 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 and go. Well, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, there's always paradox. a paradox yeah. and contradiction, but what you're saying is, Trust your instincts. That's why we have them, which makes us human. Keep moving. All those things that you said are, are, are fantastic because I feel sometimes we live in a world where e even our college students, they're striving for perfection and they're so disappointed when they don't have it. And I suspect everything you're talking about is let that be. Strive for progress. Yeah. Well, you know, follow your heart. I mean, it really comes down to just following your heart. Yeah. You know what you need. Everything you have inside of you, you know. You already know. And it's... Nobody needs to tell you. We look for outside validation and um, out, out, you don't know what I need. Only I know what I need. Right. And often what you need is right in front of you. It, it is. We talk about that on the mountains of transformation. Yeah. And so often the mountains, they're right in front of us. Yeah. You just got to take a step. Yeah. And yeah. Would you agree? Absolutely. Barbara, it has been such a pleasure. Um, you have listened to Barbara Lee Foley-Bott, our guest on A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. Thank you so much for coming into the studios of Talk Radio 77. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you very welcome. much.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>